Hey and welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. I guess we all know why we're here. So let's dispense with the niceties and let's just crack on with what we're here for. Tonight, I think we can all accept we saw what was a far more entertaining fight than we imagined. And what I'd like to do, actually, if everyone can just pause and think where they were, about midday on Saturday. Looking forward to the fight. We all set our time aside and we all got our food ready, got our alcohol ready, did what we had to do in the daytime, so we were free in the evening, we watched the football, our accumulators came in or didn't come in. You know, if you did, good luck to you. Drink, please. But the important thing actually was we all had a very clear view, and it was one of two views. Either Anthony Yard was going to pull off the miracle of miracles and knock Kovalev clean out. No. Yard winning on points was never in the discussion. It was never an option. The, other, the, the rest of the population were of the view that this is Kovalev's fight and this is an easy win for Kovalev. And this is an easy win for Kovalev because Yard has fought bin men and accountants and shop stewards, essentially. That, that, that's kind of where the landscape was. It was, it's going to end decisively one way or the other. Now we sit after the fight and we go, there was nothing decisive about that win. Hold on, hold on. I know everyone's listening going, I know what I saw and that looked decisive to me. But bear with me, let's, let's walk through the logic of it. So back to win and the wiser. Yes, Anthony Yard by going as far as 11 rounds did better than Jean Pascal, Igor Mikalkin, uh, probably... Shabransky as well, and definitely better than Nathan Cleverly. So, but that doesn't really tell us much because they were different versions of Kovalev and he was at different points in his career. But he's in the ballpark of people who we consider to be credible. So he's performed at a level that we would have wanted him to, to be at because we wanted him to fight guys like Pascal before he fought for a world title. It just so happens Pascal now is world title level again. Now, when you start to look at that, then you say, okay, that's a massive tick in the box of the yard, which it is. But then you look at it from a Kovalev perspective and go, well, how far have you declined that you've, you've basically been in the ring with a ranked novice? Yes, a ranked novice, a complete ranked novice. And you've had to go 11 rounds before you could get him out. And not only that, you were in trouble a good few times in that fight. He offered problems that you weren't prepared for. He offered challenges that you must have faced before. But in summary... Uh, essentially, in boxing terms, a kid has taken you a damn long way in a fight that you should have won easily. So we, we kind of muddy the waters between Yard was really good, Kovalev was really bad, and we end up somewhere in the middle with no one happy. So if you, if you started off at 12 o'clock being, I want Yard to get iced, you're not really happy because, yes, he was iced, but look how much kudos he gets from it. So the, the Yard train continues moving. If you're a, I want Yard to shock the world... You're a bit like, well, he didn't really come close to doing that. So, you know, where's my big shock? I'm nowhere near what I want. So, so no one's actually happy. And you can argue either way about who should really leave with the spoils. And, and this is the point. 
they're never as bad as you think they are, they're never as good as you think they are. And then you start to look at it and go, so, so where does this leave everything now? If you want to ask me, if I've got my, my supposed boxing expert head on, it leaves Yard in a really good place, but it depends on what the next move is. And I mean in and out the ring. That next move is going to be vital because he's on the cusp of being world level, if he isn't already. And he has to be smart with it. For, for Kovalev, you're looking for cash-out fights now. You're looking for the most money you can get between now and retirement because you had to dig into reserves that you were hoping to only use against Canelo. So you've had to dip into that Canelo gas tank now because Yard took you further than you wanted to go. And at 36, these miles add up. The runs start to hurt the hips. The elbows start to hurt. The shoulders start to hurt from the bag work. The sparring starts to take its toll on you at 36. And you're starting to think of a time when you don't have to do it anymore. So how many times can Sergei Kovalev go to that well that he visited tonight? And can he do it against a proven world-level 12-round fighter like Canelo? We don't know yet. But ultimately... The beautiful thing about this fight, we can keep talking about it for a long time to come. And that's what we love about boxing. It doesn't matter which way the wind blows, there's always something to talk about. But what we really want to do is we want to understand where was the fight won and lost? You know, how have we ended up in a position where we're, we're none the wiser about what Anthony Yard's level actually is and we're not really sure about how far Sergei Kovalev has fallen. So what were the the, the subtleties and the nuances that made the difference in a fight that, while it looked nip and tuck, was probably decisive in Kovalev's favour. And I think if we really pause for a second and we go back to the post-fight interview, a lot of what Anthony Yard said probably predicates a lot of what we saw in the fight. I was very comfortable. Again, early in the fight, I was very, very, I was very, very confident. But again, experience does play a big part. Um, I feel like what got me through some of the situations was, again, my heart, the lines and the camp mentality. Again, it's not only me. My whole, my whole corner, my whole team are very inexperienced when it comes to this level, but... <laughs> but, but he boxed really well, he used his jab, he you, know, he, you know, let's get this right. He, 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 you know, he, he, he knew what he had to do and he did it brilliantly. And you did nothing wrong, just at the end, that bit of experience told. Let's not, let's not lose sight of that. But again, I'm one of the people, I'm very ambitious. I'm never going to say that was good enough because I didn't win the fight. <laughs> I'm just that ambitious. So in my mind, I'm going to go back to the drawing board. Again, I work my ass. And there we have it, I think. The word that comes out of that is experience. And you can't buy experience. You get experience by doing, you get experience by doing well, you get experience by doing badly. In this case, I think Yard got experience from doing I don't necessarily think he did anything badly. He just didn't do it at a world championship level. So then let's, let, let's start to talk about the ins and outs of it and everything that you need. And let's, let, let, let's, let's set the scene. So, you know, let, let, let's get to round one before we actually talk about rounds one to 11. So when you're trying to take a fighter all the way to the top, make them a world champion, the first thing you're trying to do is you're trying to look at the world championship landscape. Who, who are the guys that have the belts? Is it a strong ear in the division? Is it a weak ear in the division? And then you start to go down the rankings. So you start to build your fighters up into the world champions, then the tier one opponents, then your tier two, then your tier three. And what you're trying to work out is how deep is this division? I think the challenge is 175 pounds is it's deep. 
it's so deep that a guy we thought was washed up like Jean Pascal can be a factor again. Because the gap between the, the, the second, third tier and the top tier. Not, you know, but but by, way of, by way of context, you had, a, you had a man in Marcus Brown that looked unbeatable in dethroning Badu Jack, who himself had looked unbeatable at 175 in winning his title from, from Cleverly. So you've got that cycle. And then Pascal beats Marcus Brown. And we know Kovalev beat Pascal. And, and so you have this cycle where you say, actually, a lot of these guys can give each other trouble. Gavod, Chicken, Stevenson, and so forth. So, so it's quite a deep division. So when you look at Anthony Yard, I guess there are two approaches you can take in his career. And you can say, working his way up the tiers is going to take years off him and might do more harm than good in the long term. We might need to just bypass everyone and just go straight for one of the belts if we can catch a champion cold. It's a high-risk strategy. It, it's, if you go back to Anthony Joshua, and I like to think in these terms in terms of these sort of manufactured champions because they're part of a defined process to get them to the top. So look at Anthony Joshua. They had him parked in the WBC for a long time. Why? They thought Wilder was a weaker champion. They thought the WBC was the weaker division. We can win a belt here, defend it a few times before we need to worry about unifying. The opportunity with Charles Martin came. They took it. The rest is history. And what, what have we learned from that? Joshua didn't have enough learning fights. But when you're world champion, there are no more learning fights. You know, you're, you're fighting to survive in that ring. And that, so that's the challenge you have with going that route. The other route you can take is what I call the Clinton Woods route. At this point, what I should also say to you guys is go and look up Clinton Woods to understand why Clinton Woods is probably the most slept on of the British boxing greats. At 175, our hierarchy will always go John Conte at the top, then it's Clinton Woods. Why? Clinton Woods has fought two legit Hall of Famers, fought one of the all-time greats. He's done all of that. But what Clinton Woods did, he worked his way all the way up the ladder, fighting guys like Crawford Ashley, who gave him tough rounds, who gave him that gut check that forced him to dig into the well. And then he found out, actually, I'm pretty good at this. I can grind anybody down. So when he was in there with better opponents... He knew what he brought to the table and he knew what he could rely on under pressure. And that's what he relied on. And that's how he became IBF champion. And he was just unfortunate that he didn't get more of the big fights because Clinton Woods demonstrated that he was a world-class talent. And he did that by grinding his way up the ladder. So there are two vastly opposed views. You can build your way from area level to English, to Commonwealth, to British, to European, to world. And by the time you get to you know, world level you've kind of proved yourself and it's merely a procession. Or you can take the big bang route of, you know, pretty low level fights. Then when you get your chance, you rise to the occasion and you take it, as Anthony Yard did in this case. Pros and cons to both of them, it depends on the fighter you have in front of you. So into this mix of, you know, not wanting to take on some of the gnarled, tough, old veterans in the division or some of the shooting stars in the division, you have an added factor, which is the lack of sparring, the lack of running, the inversion of every maxim we know about boxing, your road work, your groundwork, your hard sparring. All these things have been pushed to the side in favor of the new method, the, the System 9 method. We don't really know what System 9 is because we don't have the book yet, but we, can, you know, we roughly know what it is. And so there are so many questions going into that first bell. We don't know because we've never been able to benchmark Anthony Yard. He's always been significantly better than his opponents. And this was the first time we were able to benchmark him, so to speak. 
And so the expectations were high. And I think the first round told us a lot about why we should be excited, but also why we should be concerned. Now, from my, my vantage point of having trained guys and watched guys compete at a really high level, here's the one thing I've learned. Do not lose that first round under any circumstances. Don't sacrifice it to collect data. Don't sacrifice it because you're just having a look. Don't sacrifice it because you're working on stuff. Win that first round. Now, how do you win your first round? You win it with a jab. Why? Because your jab is everything you need. It, it can inflict pain if needed, but you can draw reactions from your opponent. You can start to learn your opponent. You know? And so when I watched that Niard shaping up, the thing that worried me initially was he immediately handed the initiative to Sergei Kovalev. And while it didn't look like Kovalev was landing, the defensive moves Yard was making, where he was making two or three moves for every shot, you started to realize actually the economics of that weren't going to make sense in a 12-round fight. That was the first thing. You know, you know Sergei Kovalev is a big jabber. He loves to throw that jab. And all Yard would have had to do, because Kovalev is quite basic with his jab, is literally put his right hand in front of his face and catch every one of those. Don't take a step back, catch every one of those, and then decide what you want to do next. Do you want to counter with your own jab? Do you want to push his hand down, count with your right hand over the top? But to do that, there has to be that structure. You have to walk through your fight plan. This is what we're going to do for the first four rounds. We need to stay in the fight for these first four rounds to keep that psychological pressure on Kovalev. To do that, you need the jab. All the good guys that have given Kovalev trouble have done it off the jab. Basically, step one, negate his jab. Do not give him the confidence of his jab landing flush or landing clean. Secondly, come back with your own jab. Jab him to the face, jab him to the body. Get Kovalev moving backwards. Now, I wrote an article for Square Mile magazine, and feel free to get hold of it. It's definitely worth a read. And in there, I emphasize this. When Kovalev goes backwards, he's like 60% of the fight that he is going forward. So why would you let him come forward? That's exactly where he wants to be. So you can go through that whole first round. You can go through that first round, that, the second round, the third round. And you can count the number of times where in your head you're thinking, throw the jab now, Anthony. Throw the jab now, Anthony. Throw the jab now. Throw the jab now. And had he thrown the jab when he had the opportunities to do so, the Kovalev fight would have been completely different. Kovalev psychologically would have been completely different. It would have had Kovalev questioning his own defense, which isn't amazing. The second advantage of pushing someone backwards, funnily enough, is you get to feel how strong they are. One of the things I picked up on and if you didn't get the American stream, you missed out on Andre Ward's analysis, which was spot on. And what Ward said, and I found this interesting, was Kovalev is not that strong. Once you've got him tied up, you can move him around to where you want him to be. He's not that strong because mainly he boxes bolt upright. And what that means is his hips are relatively high compared to his opponent. So the guy with the lower hips normally has the drive in the clinches. And that was what you saw in the Ward fight. And something Yard didn't capitalize on because Yard's a very upright fighter as well in terms of how he positions himself. Yes, he dips and he rolls, but ultimately he keeps his hips quite high. And so that makes it tricky for him to then manoeuvre himself when on the inside he doesn't adopt a position of strength. But by the third round, what we end up seeing is we see Kovalev and he's established his jab and he's established his right hand and he knows what distance he wants to operate at. You know, he does everything an experienced fighter is supposed to do. He gets his timing, he gets his range, he gets his shots off. He keeps the scoreboard ticking over. The punches aren't spectacular, but they're landing. 
where Yard was being dynamic with the body movement, slipping and rolling, he just started to put the jab around the collarbone area, around the sternum, just to keep Yard fixed so the right hand could come over as well. And what he was doing is winning those rounds. So now Yard is having to chase the fight, but Yard's tactic is clearly use every shot to hurt Kovalev. He wasn't really looking to box for points, which I guess you can put in the box that is lessons learned. Sometimes at the top level, when everything cancels each other out, you've just got to keep the scorecards ticking over in your favour. And I think he failed to do that. And in looking for those big shots, he left so much dead space that Kovalev was able to fill it with one-twos, double jabs, jabs to the head, jabs to the body, and just keep just chipping away at that reserve of stamina that Yard had, that he had built up. So while you're not, so while you're not in trouble in round three, a lot of stuff has happened to you that's going to catch up with you in round nine, 10, and 11. Kovalev knows this. This is what experience is. He knows he doesn't need to hurt you now. He just needs to keep chipping away at that reserve. Because even if he doesn't step it up, just by being consistent, he can grind you down. So, you know, by the first quarter of the fight, Kovalev has established the rhythm. It's going to be behind his jab. It's going to be that. And he's going to try and win the first four rounds, maybe try and get to the first six and then take a breather. Because he's 36 years old, he can't box that intensity forever. So by the end of the third round, he's well on his way to do that. And this is the point where an experienced corner is going to tell Anthony Yard to change it up. So System 9 is all cool. System 9 is brilliant. Well, you know, if it works, Tunde, fantastic. But by round 4, round 5, we need a System 10. We need a System 10A, we need a System 10B, maybe even System 11, full upgrade. That's what we needed. And it didn't come. Because I don't think Yard had any other way to box. He couldn't, he couldn't walk him down off a high guard, come in and just start ripping to the body. He didn't have that in him. He had what he had. And so he was relying on Kovalev getting tired. And so when you get to round seven and eight, you know, round nine, Yard starts to have more success by going to the body. Could he have done that earlier? No, he couldn't have. Because Kovalev's distance control was so good, it was risky trying to get inside of him. And he made it dangerous to try and come through that middle channel. And I say this to boxers I train. I say this to boxers I advise. If you don't control that middle channel, it's going to be very hard for you to win the fight. Because to get to anyone, you've got to get through some long-assed arms. And Kovalev's got really long arms. And that's what makes his jab such a potent weapon. He was jabbing as the first shot. He was jabbing as the third shot. Sometimes he jabbed you as the fourth shot just to let you know that that jab is going to hurt you at any time. And so you start to see this pattern as you're moving through rounds five, six, seven, even into eight, that you're like, well, Kovalev's comfortable here. We just need Yard to do something. And when Yard had his success in those sort of mid to late rounds and he was ripping to the body and he nearly had Kovalev out, let's be absolutely clear about this. If Kovalev wasn't the man that he is, if he wasn't a world champion, if he hadn't been to hell and back already, if he hadn't been called a quitter against Ward, that might have been the time to check out. But he showed he's a legitimate champion because he knew everything that had gone before in his career. And he said, no 18-fight novice can do this to me. That's what champions do. They refuse to wilt under pressure. He refused to wilt. And in the process of trying to make him break, Anthony Yard emptied his tank. So now Kovalev comes into round 10 and he's like, this is prime time. 
This is where you become a legend, Anthony Yard. This is where the lights are on. This is what people remember, Anthony Yard. And stood in front of you, sir, is Sergei Kovalev. Do you want to be here? And to Anthony Yard's eternal credit, the answer was yes. I want to be here. All the previous rounds, the banging on the chest, letting him know lions in the camp and all, and all that sort of stuff that was good to hear in the build-up. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. But that was utterly meaningless until this point here in round 10 when Kovalev asked him, combination after combination, do you want to be here? Do you want this belt? And that Niyad was like, yes, I want this belt. The mind was willing. The body was incapable. The tactics were inept. But the will was there. And that will stand at Niyad in good stead in his career because that will was there. The iron will, the passion to say, I'm a lion and I belong in this camp with the rest of you world champions. I am one of you. And that was his round to let you know that. And so you get to the end of round 10 and Yard's out on his feet. But he's still trying to defend. He's still trying to catch shots. He's still trying to do the things he's been taught. And this is where you've got to give this System 9 its due. Yes, he slowed down on some of it. And yes, his timing was off and his reflexes were starting to go a bit. But the patterns worked. He could still execute those patterns late into the fight. So clearly... The imprinting that comes from those routines works. That doesn't mean that it's a faultless system. What it means is that element of it works. So by the end of round 10, you understand that a compassionate trainer might tell their fighter, look, if you take a beating in this round, I'm going to throw the towel in. It's what I would do. Buddy McGirt had done that at the end of the ninth round. And he said, look, give me one more round. And Kovalev went out like a champion. And that is exactly what he gave him. And in round, round 11, we knew it was over. Anthony Yard is just there on, on heart. It's, it's just that lion spirit. He refuses to will to anybody. And he refuses and he refuses. And sequence after sequence, he's taking jabs. He's taking four-shot combinations. And his heart's telling him, I'm not folding. I am not folding. Then there's a point where there's nothing. There's nothing. You call to your body, your body doesn't respond. It doesn't respond. Then boom. The most innocuous of jabs. And it's all over. A jab you were taking regularly. Round after round. It had no effect on you before. But with your will spent. And your body unwilling to respond. That was it. And with that. The most unusual of world heavyweight title shots was over. But in defeat, Adniyad leaves with his reputation enhanced. He really does. And, you know, there can be no more glowing endorsement than when your opponent, a world champion, a man that's just shared 11 rounds with you, is suitably impressed enough to gatecrash your own post-fight conference to let you know you have a great future in the sport. At that point there, you've answered every question that every fan, every critic, every supposed expert has ever had over you. Doing great fighter. Really, really uh, hard, you know, like, yeah. You have a great future, believe me. Because, like, you, 
You're good. You're very good. So, okay, one, yeah, one good quick question, because I know you'd like to answer me just quickly. Were you impressed by how by how good he was, how strong he was, how brave he was? Sorry, I didn't understand. Like, well, were you impressed by how strong and brave he was? Yeah, he's he's strong. You know, he's like uh, he has the IQ. You know, like something like good defense. You know, and tactic. You know, just uh, believe me, uh, he has not enough uh, experience. And uh, I, I want my experience, and uh, because I'm, I'm uh, Sergey Kovalev, Russia, you know, I can't lose any anymore. Enough. Right now, I got the right training camps, right life, right everything what I do every day right now. And he will be a champion. And there you have it. He will be a champion. And. That's one of the things we take away from this. Why did he lose? He had every tool to win. Let's be clear about this. He had every tool. He had the power. He had the punches. He had the movement, the athleticism, the strength. What he didn't have was the ability to knit it all together. He didn't, it, it's, it's like having a, an amazing vocabulary, but not being able to write a short story. Tonight, he needed to write a short story. He couldn't write that short story. Now, why is that? Is it a lack of sparring? Maybe. Maybe he needs that drawn out of him. Maybe he needs that creativity drawn out of him. Maybe he needs to make more mistakes on a consistent basis for them to be corrected early enough. And this comes from having a camp that's relatively green at this level. You know, there's a big difference between being great on the pads and being a great motivator. And then you have to be an amazing trainer. And that means being intelligent, being astute, being a smart general in the field of battle. Being experienced enough to know what moves to make. Tonight, that wasn't there. It can come. And I expect it to come. But Anthony Yard is the man that has to demand of his trainer, Tunde Ajayi. He has to demand that System 9 now changes. So there's a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. He has to demand that System 9 now changes. So that you have a plan that can deal with any kind of opponent in any situation. He has to demand that System 9 also changes. So that you don't fight the same way for 12 rounds. There are points where you can conserve energy. There are points where you can just control the fight behind the jab. And it's only Anthony Yard that can demand this of Tunde. What I don't like. And what I'm less comfortable with. Is the discussion that says he needs another trainer. He needs this. He needs that. Ignoring how much work. Tunde Ajayi is done with a guy who, up until two years ago, had only ever been past three rounds once in his career, amateur or professional. He had averaged about 1.7 rounds per fight up until May 2017. And there he is, two years later, doing 11 out of 12 rounds. So Tunde is doing something right. The key thing is identifying those gaps. And closing those gaps. Much like Joshua McCracken. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just make the team stronger. That's what System 9 now needs. It now needs someone to give an alternative perspective. Someone to inspire Tunde to new levels. Of excellence, creativity and wisdom. Where he finds that I don't know. But the mistake he can make right now is believing he's the only man that has the answers to these questions. Because that is not true. And his future with Anthony Yard, I think, depends on that. 
Because now Anthony Yard will understand that there are limitations to what he's been doing. The lack of a jab is the glaring one. You know, the more he had jabbed, the less tired he'd have got, in my opinion. You know, ring intelligence, understanding where he is in a fight, understanding what he needs to do, takes all the stress out of it. Now you're not relying on just being a great athlete. You're not relying on reflexes. You understand where you are. You follow the narrative of a fight and you know how to respond. Floyd was a master of this. Let's not forget how, May how Mayweather did it. Win the first four rounds. Control him. Take everything your opponent relies on away from him. The middle four rounds, doesn't matter. Let them come back, whatever. Conserve some energy. And then the final four rounds, you just put your foot down. That's why Mayweather would win 116-112 consistently. Because he understood what he had to do to win. And I don't think System 9 is there yet. And I don't think Ajayi, Yard, as a collective, are there yet. They need to get to that point. Because when they do, they become a very, very scary proposition. And I'm not conscious of the time, but I just want to close up by saying this. This is exactly why we say... Don't be afraid to put someone in before their time because you can grow into that fight. You can grow into that role, that position, that challenge. I fully expect in the next couple of weeks you will hear Eddie Hearn start to spin a narrative that says Joshua Boatze will be ready for the winner of Canelo versus Kovalev or he'll insert one of his other fighters in there because now that Yard has kicked that door open, the pressure is now on everyone to say, well, why aren't you challenging yourself? Craig did it. Craig Richards did it versus Frank Bullioni. Absolutely. Could Frank be a, the next opponent for Yard? You get Frank back in, out of retirement. I know he's training again. Get those two fighting, resolve their differences, gives Yard an opportunity to give the British fans a fight, move on, and then start rebuilding for world level. There's so many options open to the guy, but I want to come all the way back to what I said at the beginning. The water's still muddy. How good is Anthony Yard? We need two more fights to know that. How good is Sergei Kovalev? We need two more fights to know that. And after those two fights that they've both had, we can come back here and we can say, actually, Kovalev was done. Or we can say, Anthony Yard really stepped up. But more of the same, please. Frank, Eddie, Al, Bob, more of the same. Those are the kind of fights we want. Announce the fight, short, sharp build-up. We care about it, so we don't need anything. Bam, that's how we do it. We don't need the 12-week build-up. We just need great fights. And that was a great fight. And I just want to say, guys, as always, thank you for listening. Um, let me know your thoughts on the whole fight and how you saw it and what you felt at Highfield Boxing on Twitter, at Highfield Boxing on Instagram. You know, let's keep the conversation going. And look, if you enjoy this product, please, it's about visibility. and It's about making sure that we have a big enough profile because... I always try and be the voice of the fan and I always try and ask the questions that the other media outlets aren't. And the only way we can do that is by being the biggest outlet out there. So share this. Tell your friends to listen. Tell your friends to participate. Tweet, retweet, share wherever you can. Because that's the only way that we're going to get one of the good guys in that system asking the tough questions and saying the things that need to be said. And once again, guys, thank you. and Take care. Stay safe, love each other, and remember September 27th, Jonathan Pilatus. <laughs>